We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. Welcome back to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. This is me, Lean, from arsenalvision.co.uk. In today's show, Elliot and James will be discussing the 2-1 defeat at home to Swansea. And yes, that still doesn't sound right at all. I didn't actually watch the game due to work commitments, but I shall be catching up on it at some point, even though I don't really want to, given the result. By all accounts, it seems as if we've done that Arsenal thing again, where we have a lot of the ball all the chances, miss all the chances, and the opposition score on only, only a few attacks, and we lose the game. Not an enjoyable movie, seen it too many times now, and want to watch a new film. You know, the kind of film where we beat the teams we should be beating at home, and even beating the teams we should be beating away. Yeah, it's not a great situation at the moment. I'm sure confidence is very low. At the wrong time, it's really frustrating. There's been a number of times when we've been in the title race. We've dropped off at the end of the season and I've always, I've always thought, what if? Because uh, we've lost a lot of our key players, a lot of injuries at those points of the season. And I've always wondered, oh, if we had those players fit, if we had a full-strength team, it'd be different. This time, that's, that's not an excuse I can use. Everyone pretty much is there, apart from Santi and a few other squad players. But we have the players on the pitch. We just are not performing anywhere near our best and that's, that's a massive concern just feels like this season I've been waiting for us to find our best form and go on a run been waiting and waiting and waiting it's going to happen because we get our players back and once they've got games under their belt you know they're going to click into gear and blah 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 and it just hasn't happened and um, time's running out and we've gone backwards now so yeah massive concern and 
even more of concern that we've got Tottenham on, on the weekend. Probably the worst team to be facing right now, um, given their style of play and how much we don't cope with pressing teams. Yeah, that's not going to be fun. Well, if we beat them, it'll be fun. But it's a massive if right now. Massive if. Ah, oh, yeah. All very depressing. I'm going to stop here. So, I'm going to hand you over and uh, be back again after the Tottenham game. Arsenal get just the result required to vault themselves back into the race for a fourth. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. Uh, Tim is going to be on the Arscast this week, so he's not going to slum it with us. Paul is traveling for business, uh, which I read as committing Harry Carey somewhere. But James is here. James is laying in bed. He is prostrate. He is so beaten down by the Arsenal uh, that he can barely make it out of bed. But he's going to pod from bed, and it's going to be a lot of fun to have him on. You can find James at GoonerFanatic49 on Twitter. Hey, James. Hey, Elliot. Good to be back, I think. <laughs> Um, so let's do this before we actually get into the, the match itself. I want to put this into context. As far as low moments go, really over the last decade or so, and I'm just speaking of football now, not injuries, not transfers, but the football and the results of a football match. Is that the lowest moment you can remember feeling at full time losing that match over the last eight, nine, ten years since maybe the 07, 08, uh, Eduardo game. Uh, I mean it's it's definitely pretty uh, demoralizing. It's definitely one of the worst feelings I I felt for a while. I think a lot of that to do though with the with such a dramatic swing from you know especially as you know as you all know a, a genuine level of optimism and and seeing like a very distinct. Um, underlying strong fundamentals in a squad and having that opinion pretty much thrown right back at me. I, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. You know, I still look to that 6-0, was it, against Chelsea? Um, yeah, that was re- for That one still rings pretty true to me just because that that season as a whole was just, uh, there wasn't much enjoyment to be taken out of it. But, you know, in in theory, <laughs> we're still in some form of a total challenge uh, as much as that is dwindling. And um, there's still been a lot more excitement and hope throughout the season. I, I mean, but it's up there. I, I, I wouldn't go so far to say as it, it's been the worst. I think that I think we're, we're I think we're clutching at straws to be overly dramatic there. But um, but yeah, it's uh, um, I'm definitely feeling incredibly down as I think we can see it. Uh, amongst a lot of the fan base and it's not uh, it's not the most fun time to be an Arsenal fan right now no and look I mean um, there's obviously recency bias when it comes to misery because you remember your most recent misery as being your sharpest pain Uh, but I think for me the reason this was such a low moment is no matter how much I'll bluster and say oh there's no title challenge we're not going to win a title of course I have hope of winning a title and after what happened at United all felt lost, and then you watch Spurs losing to West Ham, and you see City losing to Liverpool, and Leicester drop points the day before, and you think, amazingly, remarkably, this is still on for us. We win here, we get just a little momentum into the North London Derby, and then we still can do this. And it was such a repudiation of that hope of the feeling that there's something inside these players and inside this team that's just waiting to come out. And 
I don't think you can point to injuries. I don't think you can point to the lineup anymore. You know, in previous seasons of disappointment, we really did have some baked in excuses. Seven, eight, nine years ago, it was money. Two, three, four years ago, we've had some injury issues. But this is really just a choke job. And for me, it, it's been very hard to reconcile with everything that we've been told to believe about the direction of the club and where it's headed. So we'll talk a little bit about ramifications at the very end, but let's let's dive into the match itself. Now, I know some people felt it was a good performance. I didn't, and I'll explain for you, whether you like it or not, why I didn't in a minute. But for you, what did you think of the changes he made to the lineup, and how do you think the players performed? Um, I think the changes were somewhat expected. So we had Giroud come back in at centre-forward um, after... Well, I mean, you know, between Welbeck and Walcott, I guess some it was supposed to be some form of fluid movement between the front three. Um, you know, Walcott had an abysmal game, and Welbeck, you know, having quite recently come back from such a long-term injury, I don't think we can realistically expect him to play um, from the start in uh, so in two game two games two so close together. Um, so I guess, you know, Joel Campbell did make sense and, um, was actually one of the, the only players that looked like, uh, uh, a player worthy of being on the pitch wearing the Arsenal shirt, frankly. Um, which is a surprise, of course, when you look at the names of the team sheet. I think the rest is, you know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the correct, the, the rest was as expected aside from, um, a Koscielny injury that I don't know if that was picked up during the United game or if that was. I don't think we week. learned about it until after the match, right? So at least at kickoff, it looked like it was just a selection, but we discovered later that it was an injury. Right. Um, now, I, I didn't. So the energy was there. You know, it's so easy to criticize a team when they lose at home to a lesser side to say, "Where's the passion? Where, where's the hard work? Where are the guts? Where's the grit?" But I actually thought we worked really hard. I actually thought we looked almost like we were pressing too much, that there, that we were giving everything, but we didn't have any kind of uh, system or plan that I could really see playing out on the pitch. There was a lot of one-on-one play. There was a lot of getting it to Alexis or Joel and then kind of them taking on a couple of men and trying to do it on their own. I didn't see a lot of fluency. It was like chaos theory at work. And Naveen, who does a lot of tactical analysis sort of stuff on Twitter posted a bunch of screenshots that just show how much space there was between the back four and the midfield when the back four had it or when a midfielder picked up the ball, how few options they had. And I just think right now what's happening, the way we're playing the ball through the middle of the park is not working. And we've droned on and on and on about that for weeks now, but the manager is stuck with the system and there doesn't seem to be any sign that it's turning around. Um, Having said that, just through endeavor alone and hard work and and really a a B team of Swansea players, we did create chances. And once again, at the key moments, the finishing just was not up to the level it needs to be. For you, what what is the reason for a team collectively falling to pieces in front of goal? Is it just that we don't have the caliber of, of frontline players that we need, or is it purely psychological? Um, I mean, part of it has to be the quality of players. I mean, you would say, I mean, certainly when you look towards only a player who, who comes in patches and certainly from a finishing standpoint, certainly in in one of his, 
downward cycle. What's period. the opposite of a purple patch? A brown <laughs> yeah. patch? <laughs> Some, something to have it. Yeah. A pretty brown and green and yellowy patch. Um, I, but then, you know, you look towards a player like Alexis and, you know, by all intents and purposes, I mean, we, let's remove the, the games he's, he's played since injury. He's looked like a totally different player, but, you know, he is a world-class player. He's a, he's a player that, outside of, of course, Barcelona, arguably, now what did he get into most sides? He's a player that, he, that excites us all. He's, before we signed him, he's that, that marquee signing that we're all looking for. And um, he's a player that ostensibly should be the, you know, the, the prototype that in these types of situations and these moments in a season... When things get a little sticky, that's the kind of man you look towards. Um, There's precedent yeah. for that, by the way. I mean, if you look back to last season when we were playing some really dreadful football at the beginning of the season, he was the only thing working, and he dragged us through that period. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we, we very much relied on that, and that's that's what you pay the big money for, and that's what you you to a certain degree. And you know, that, that, that's the kind of elevation that a player of that class I warrant for himself is you. There are going to be moments, you know, however good a squad is, however good a team is, there are going to be moments in a given season where you go through a little sketchy patch and your best players, you know, those are the players you look to to pull you through, whether it's through leadership, um, experience, and or, or just, you know, downright footballing ability. And frankly, that's not something we're seeing. I want, you know, that there's a real lack of confidence in front of goal in particular because we're still creating chances. We've We've been creating bloody chances since Southampton nil nil, and um, we can go through a, a whole list of games where our XG has looked looked good. And I'm sure you're um, more than willing to to delve further into that statistic. But there is something very very off um, about the manner in which we're uh, we're finishing chances. It it seems like a a real inherent self belief has somewhat dissipated from this side. Um, there seems to be a little bit of an identity crisis in the team. I, I think some of it plays into the fact that our midfield really is certainly in the centre. Giving the cut, it is unfortunately now lacking the technical ability or and the technical style that Arsene generally likes to implement in his teams. Um, and as I'm sure you'll agree, I mean. The kind of void space that we're seeing between Cochrane and Ramsey, and you know, between them and the back four, and as as you've already mentioned, um, and I think that a lot of that comes down to perhaps the dynamic of those two players together. Um, there also just seems to be a slight unease. Um, I don't know if maybe in a in a better period for the club, maybe the two of them would be able to settle more easily together. Or, um, but but, you know, but is it the system, James? I mean, without putting too fine a point on this, after what's been almost two months, maybe even more, of the midfield not working, whether it's Ramsey and their Cochran and uh, with Flamini or Cochran, is should the manager have have tried to change up the system a little? Should he have gone with El Nenny and Cochran and Ramsey back on the right to add that extra body that can come into midfield? Should he have tried to change the system altogether? Or do you think it's fair for him to just expect them? to play through it and find a way to make this this system work? I mean, maybe. I think there's arguments f- for doing that. I, I think even with those changes, that w- they would probably come with their own difficulties in them too. I think, you know, I'm not sure how much of the way in which Alexis is playing right now is necessarily down to the system that's being implemented. I mean, 
the system itself is, you know, you just, I mean, you just got to watch Alexis on the ball now and compare that to him on the ball, you know, during periods of the beginning of this season and certainly looking to last season. I don't think that's necessarily got a lot down to the exact structure of the side. There, there are some other underlying issues there too. Um, but I do get where you're coming from. I mean, that you know, ostensibly it seems like Hockland and Ramsey aren't necessarily like a match made in heaven, certainly for this type of system. Um, but with that, you know, it hasn't been that long since Flamini came out of the side um, and these two have started to form some f- form of partnership. And the problem is out around them as well, even given the stability of the back four, even given the relative consistency of, you know, Ozil, Giroud, Alexis, yeah, the whole team seems like, for whatever reason, um, and maybe it's stemming from that exact issue, um, but there's, there seems to be seeping through the entire uh, eleven as of right now, and perhaps it's from the ramifications of that Barcelona defeat for whatever reason. Um, a real, you know, they're not playing like you know they're not playing like the players that we we know them to be. It's as simple as that. I, I agree with you. I, I definitely agree that the level of performance of each individual player is below what they're capable of. But I look at a system that for one reason or another, maybe it's because Ramsey is not suited for a midfield two. Maybe it's because Alexis, because he's not a natural winger and because we can't build up through midfield, he's receiving the ball in positions that don't benefit him best. Maybe we're not getting the best use of wide positions. So Giroud is not able to, you know, impose himself physically or we don't, whatever the reason is the level of the players individually is below where it needs to be. And as a collective, it's even lower than that. But having said that, we take a one nil lead at home over a Swansea B team. And at that point, it should be like, you know, ice skating downhill. It should be a pretty straightforward task. And granted, they should have had, we should have had a foul for their first goal, but everyone switched off. Um, after it got to 1-1, it was a sucker punch, and we looked like we never recovered psychologically. And Alexis made some comments after the game saying that for whatever reason, the team doesn't have the belief and the hunger that it's 1-0 when they step out on the pitch. There's, there are World Cup winners and Copa America winners and La Liga winners and Ch- Champions League winners and you know players in, in the side that have real experience, not just playing at the highest level, but winning at the highest level. Why as a unit is there such psychological fragility there that, that, that they're not able to go out on the pitch and win a game. You know, the Invincibles won games before they stepped on the pitch. Why can't this team do that? I, that's a great question. You know, I really wish I knew the answer to that. It's, it's a question I've been asking myself. Is it leadership lot. among the players or is it leadership from the manager? Uh, I think it's, you know, listen, I think it's a, it's a bit of both for sure. Um, I mean, frankly, when when the players get on the pitch, and we can talk about the instruction of the manager, and um, I'm yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm sure that when it comes down to the manager and the types of team talks, and I, you know, the way Arsene talks, you know, he talks, you know, he's very confident and, and tries to enact a lot of faith and self belief in its players, and um, and perhaps that philosophy doesn't necessarily always. Uh, you know, ring true, maybe it falls on deaf deaf ears at times. Um, but when you look on the pitch and you look at the way in which we react to certain like game situations, whether it be uh, going a goal down, you know, in the past 
actually the theme of this season for the most part if we've taken the lead we've then gone on to win games the issues has been you know we just don't know what to do with ourselves if we go behind but for that for this game against this Swansea side at home you take the lead after creating a number of different chances and then you just implode upon yourself in that way that is a real real concern that is there is something very 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 worrying about the mentality about the kind the self-belief that that reiterates through from the players and i don't know if that comes from a lack of trust in the in the way the current 11s made made up i my inclination is i can only look now to this you know our performances have been sketchy over the last you know since christmas frankly but the results have been good enough ish and we can't you know that's the lesser game now feels honestly it feels years away I, I was there i mean but you know we came out of that game thinking you know momentum has swung we're back in the title race like things are looking good this team's ready um and right after that barcelona defeat now things have just absolutely plummeted and i think as easy as it is for us maybe as fans to say look barcelona's a bit of a freebie we're playing the best team in the world they're as of now, they've gone 35 games unbeaten, broken up. I think it's a La Liga record, or um, and you know, he is just you know when it comes down to it, and uh, all, of course, all the aside, let's put aside all the actual like details of that game. Let's, but for a macro point of view, you can you can forgo a loss to Barca. It's not the end of the world. However good we looked for a while, and then and then Arsenal did up. Like it, it, it shouldn't matter too much because all that matters this season is the Premier League. Like, let's not worry too much about the Champions League right now with the Barcelona title. It's, this should be the focus because this is very much in our hands. This is very much, or, you know, was very much in our hands, was very much in our reach. And there's no reason why we should not be, have every single focus. That Barcelona game, as easy as, as it is for us as fans to say, look, let's put that to, the, to one side. For the players, clearly... As as the results to me suggest, that has created a massive issue for them. I I don't know why necessarily, I'm, and and perhaps my speculation on on the Barcelona game is a little unfounded, but that seems to have hit them really hard, and that seems to just take really you know suck the life out of them because those players weren't a part of that whole side. It, you know, they went straight from that Leicester victory where we had such euphoria surrounding the club. To that Barcelona defeat, and from there it has been just absolutely excruciating to watch. And I don't disagree. Uh, I, I don't disagree, but I'm going to go with a correlation isn't causation thing here just for a second mm-hmm. because I think, while I totally agree, I think players build up the Champions League to mean a lot. That's why we always say being in the Champions League allows you to recruit players. They want to play the best, and it's disappointing when they lose. You know, I think if you look at January, February, if you look at even the late part of December, I think there's been a consistent decline in the performances. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that, you know, the Leicester win, as emotionally uplifting as it was, if you really watch that game back, if they don't go down to 10 men, we may not win that. But I don't know that it was a, a fantastic performance. Don't get me wrong. I'm not picking the bones out of it. I'm just saying that I think the body of work for two and a half months has been fairly consistent. We kind of got away with it during the Flamini Ramsey midfield debacle period, and we really just stopped getting away with it. And if you remember, we went through that 3-3 Liverpool, nil-nil Stoke, lost to Chelsea period 
where the wheels felt like they were starting to come off. Um, and I don't, I don't know that we're seeing anything other than just the continuation of a deterioration of form that started a long time ago. It's six points in the league since December, and three of them came against 10 men Leicester. So it, it is a pretty long period of decline, and there's been some really bizarre things along there. The signing of El Nenny, who really just hasn't either in, in maybe in training hasn't shown himself to be valuable enough to be inserted or the manager sees him as one for the future and he really wasn't a, a midfield savior for this year, which it kind of felt like we needed in January and people assume that's why we were making the move early. I know 7 a.m. kickoff wrote an article right before we signed him saying why he would be a star for Arsenal based on the stats and what he was seeing statistically from his performances, admittedly in a lesser league, and he hasn't even had a chance to show it. Um, but the manager did something... I, I think that the fans at the stadium didn't appreciate and fans around the world didn't appreciate against Swansea. And that was, he could have subbed off nine of the 11 guys on the pitch. Other than Czech and Joel Campbell, he could have subbed any off. And I don't think there would have been a single fan who would have booed because no one was playing well. But Joel Campbell was playing well and he had the spark and he had the creativity and the goal he scored was sensational. Just absolutely a beautiful pass from Alexis. It's the first time we've really played our way through the middle of a team in ages without having to fritter around on the wings and fire and, you know, some long ball. Um, and, and he gets hooked and the fans let the manager know what they thought of it. How confusing did you find that substitution in that moment? Yeah, I found it. I found it very. I did find it very confusing. I think. I think Arsenal was quite honest uh, in his interview afterwards. I think he, um, uh, you know, his reasoning at the time seems to be that a. Although that's the thing with Joel, he always looks like he's fading. Um, he he said, he suggested that given the he's lack of games, played Joel, right. I mean, so he we shouldn't be tired. Yeah, I mean, I know. I mean. You know, it, it's always tough for us to assess whether you know a player plays too much or a player hasn't played enough. So how much fit is he? And um, but I think the the main uh, reason he alluded to was it was a young left back um, that he wanted to, to target, and add more energy, athleticism, and, and pace in in Welbeck, and was hoping to try and get him behind with with Danny there. That being said, I think. Um, Giroud, Giroud could have come off for him, and Giroud you could, could have, have had a pretty dynamic him. front line then. I agree. No, 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 I don't take me wrong. I agree. Um, and you know, that's that's at the time that was my feeling. I would have been happy to say Giroud. Cause I didn't think he was having a great game. Uh, he was having one of those games where yeah, everything was everything was two inches to the left, or you know, he hit the bar. Uh, hands in face, you know, and he had yeah, that just, weird back heel thing in the box yeah. again to nobody. Uh, and instead of instead of shooting, yeah, I mean, it was a strange one. I, I, I find it difficult to defend. I think that that was his mindset at the time. And ten maybe, games, no goals. Maybe he quite likes in the latter part of a game having both that Giroud and Welbeck combo of of them coming together at times to play that four for two both. Strong, both have that aerial presence, you have that set piece advantage, but also um, still have that combination. And, um, you know, it was something that that paid off quite well against Leicester. Um, so there are times where, you know, but in the moment, when you're looking at just, especially given the way that as a team we were playing and you actually had that spark in Joel, um, you know, it, it just seemed like a very strange decision. Yeah, and I mean, between the form... 
and the lack of you know really being aggressive in the transfer market over the last two windows and the way the the title challenge has fallen away, although not totally away thanks to other results. Um, you know, you look at what happened to Chelsea to start the season when Jose lost the dressing room and they couldn't win a game. Do you have any fear that Arson might lose these players and and that the run in could go from bad to worse? Um. Yeah, I mean, I have a fear in this side right now. I don't, I, I don't know about losing the players in that sense. I think they will have a lot of respect for him. I, I don't think it's, you know, when you look at the Jose Mourinho situation, a lot of the loss of the dressing room is actually that people just got very sick of him. Well, he's such um, a cunt that, I mean, even his own players. He, the one thing about Arsene is I don't think anybody's ever going to, he's not going to treat his players in such a way that they're going to hate him. No, absolutely. So, uh I'm not sure. I don't. It's, I don't think it's a case of him losing the dressing room as such. I think it's a case of does the philosophy in place, does the system in place, does the mentality that's being breeded into the players and the way in which they believe in themselves, whether you're using, you know, uh, you know, whether you're using the carrot or the stick me- methodology as a manager, um, uh, is there a certain fragility in the team? I, I think it's impossible to not wonder that after these last two results. I, I I had always felt that this had the depths of a squad had no longer had the kind of weaknesses we'd seen in, in you know, certain types players I thought it had. Um, I, you know, when you look to like to a Czech or be it a new player to the dressing room, you're Yokoshioni, Mertzsecker in his in his role, even a Kokolan who has a lot of heart and desire and and you know, players now that no, you know, there's not really that much inexperience. They've been through and won two FA Cups together. When you combine that stability, the added quality of the players, I, I didn't think it was this, it was something that was going to come out and, and be an issue like this in any anywhere close to in this way. Sure, I mean, over a season as we've discussed, I mean, you you'll come across problems, you'll come across tough times. But this to me seemed like a squad that had the ability and um, had the robustness to deal with that. I mean, I always felt that forward and midfield was a problem. We've discussed this at length, and it's proving to be a problem. Having said that, you look at games we've lost like Swansea against their B team, like United against their, I don't know what you would even call that, their C team. Even I can't say the players weren't good enough to win those games. So while I think that there's a lack of the required quality to achieve the ambitions the club should have, I think the recent losses are not down to a paucity of quality. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know that I think that we need more in certain positions, but I will fully admit we should have had enough in these last few games to get the results. Um, if I put a gun to your head right now, and I wouldn't do that because I adore you, but if I put a gun to your head, um, mm. and I know this is going to feel like a loaded question, but I don't mean it as a loaded question. I just mean it in terms of how you see the rest of the season going. Um, you know, Czech is injured now. Koscielny's out. If I said, gun to your head, you have to pick one. If you're wrong, you get shot to death. And I told you, I've seen the future. Arsenal finish either first or fifth. Now, we're six points off first. We're five points off sixth. I put a gun to your head and I say, which do you think it's going to be? Which which feels more likely? And I know there's a loaded question at this time, but c- can you see us finishing fifth as easily as first at this point? Mm, not really, no. I mean, it, it, it's always too extreme of a question, but... I mean, I understand where you're 
getting to. I, I, I can't see us finishing fifth now. I mean, yeah, just, yeah. just to put it in perspective, right? I mean, United are four points off, a City are four points off, but with a game in hand, we still go to Spurs, go to West Ham, go to Everton, go to City. I mean, we're in. We're the reality is we're one point off fourth if City win their their game in hand. We're at least nominally in a fourth place battle while simultaneously theoretically being in title battle. Yeah, I mean, we're also uh, an equivalent points off from from Spurs and Leicester side that by the same token, are, you know. <laughs> as no, good that's as... why I said it's both. I mean, we're in both. I mean, and you talk about equivalent points. The irony is we're actually now in the same points we were on last season. I mean, we seem to be exceptional at kind of repeating seasons. Um, and I know every season is different, and so the equivalent points this year may actually be of more value than it was last year. But um, hey, but at least we're consistent, huh? Yeah, you know, look, if you're going to credit Arsene Wenger, while I may feel that he's lost the ability to compete at the very, very top, he is phenomenal at delivering consistently high-level results, just not high-level enough. And the question is, can can he get over that hump? Um, I don't want to address that. I don't want to go into the can Arsene Wenger ever win a title again thing, but. Let's just talk about the weekend real quick. Um, it's the North London Derby. It spurs away. It's it's always a tough game under any circumstances. This one may be as important as any we've had in a decade or more. Um, and we go into it without Pitt or Czech, and we go into it without Koscielny, and without, you know, I mean, we may be playing inanimate carbon rod up front at this point because we don't have an informed striker to play. Um, what are your feelings about the importance of this game, and do you see any? I mean, obviously Arsenal can win any game, but do do you do you see any scenario where we do come out of this victorious? Um, it's a pretty frightening prospect at the moment. To be honest with you, I'm 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 breaking it already, frankly. I mean, I see them pressing. You know, they press. That's what they do. And I see them pressing Ramsey and Coughlin. Like, there's just no. And 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 if they leave that space between them and the back four, and they're able to press Gabrielle with the ball at his feet, you know, who's looked really shaky and rust. I mean, it could get pretty, could get pretty dicey. <laughs> yeah, it could. I mean, you know, listen. I think, I think this game is is so big right now because I think that you know, this game is either. It's either going to lift us back in. It, it it has the potential, right? Given it's the North London derby, given that actually from a, a, a pure league league table standpoint, it it gives you almost the chance to kind of, if you magically come out of that with three points, to just kind of forget about these last two results because you get enough euphoria from winning the bloody North London derby and from li- lit- quite literally putting yourself back in into contention, and you. Give yourself that momentum right back. Um, now, I was looking at it from a very optimistic angle, um, and I guess you can suggest that in these types of games, quite fortunately, form can tend to go out the window. That being said, you know you come out of these two games and you think, bloody hell, how on earth can you one foresee a team that is able to come up against this Tottenham side right now? match them toe for toe in the way they press, in the way we can keep the ball in, in as you say, in I mean, in particular in, in the kind of void we've seen in that midfield and come away with not, you know, literally having the final nail in the coffin of our season and just is honestly if you take a minute and you know I think it's probably easier for you given 
Um, you've been more willing to see this side of the Arsenal team for a while. If I take a minute to think about what that might mean for the ramifications of this football club, and for Arsene Wenger in particular, I think it's quite a daunting prospect, frankly. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is, you know, we're talking about the, you know, we talk about every game being big, and we talk about a lot of games being the biggest game of the season. So, this is now, because because of the position we've put ourselves in, and because of the performances we put in in combination with that, and because of the you know already underlying tumultuous aspect of this fan base for quite a long period of time, um, we've now put ourselves in a very very touchy spot. And you know we can, <laughs> of course, there's a some there's you know there's a slight irony to saying that in in the season in which we have been challenging for a title and. Uh, you know the club has been on an upward trajectory, and of course, but that is that is the state of the club, and you know that is the state of the expectations of the fans, and to a certain degree, understandably so. And right now, we go into this Spurs game where I don't think too much about what happens if we lose. I mean, I'm, I say I'm frightened, I'm worried, I'm breaking it, and I'm unbelievably petrified by the prospect because, as I say. Looking at the team over the last two games and looking at the absolute gravity of the importance of this match, it is a major concern. And you know, listen, there's there's, there's still a chance. You know, we we have the quality, we have the we have the bloody players to to to, to reboot this season. But fucking hell, um, I don't know, Elliot. I I can't even, I can't honestly. I can we can try and break it down in, in the ways we have done in the past and I can try and take a uh, an outward like more rational take on on the underlying strength of this of this squad but I don't know I've got a cloud over me right now and I'm we all do we we all do I look yeah. James there's a few things here I just real quick I mean a couple of things first of all I think the reason that the unrest is so virulent and and so strongly felt right now is not only frustration that's built up over the years, but everybody kind of calmed themselves with the excuses of injuries in previous seasons or, well, it's City and we can't match their spending or it's Chelsea and we can't match their spending. But when you look at this season, it was never going to be more teed up for us to win a title. Um, the really big spenders falling away and having down years, changing managers... It's Leicester and Spurs we're chasing down, and there's no excuse for this club not to be able to do it. They they should be looking at it and saying, well, we can't compete with Arsenal, not the other way around. Um, I think there's another point to be made here. You know, you can call it a title challenge all you want, but you still have to look at the underlying performances, and it's six points since mid-December in the league. It's not a lot of good performances. And so the thing for me is... We have the players to win a title, even still this season. I just don't see how it happens if he doesn't change the system. And I know it's scary to do it going into like a North London derby, but you know what? Put Elneny and Coughlin in midfield. Put Ramsey on the right. Try to control the midfield more. Or hell, sit deep and kick long. Play Welbeck, Alexis, and Theo. And every time you get the ball, just fucking kick it long past their press. Do something different. If we try to build up in midfield with Ramsey and Coughlin in a midfield too, we're going to get slaughtered. And the reason I know that is... We've been trying it, and we've been getting slaughtered. Um, and the thing that scares me, James, is you talk about the ramifications of this game, but you mentioned, and I think astutely so, the impact that the Barcelona results seem to have on the players. Well, guess what? There's another Barcelona game coming up, and it could be a hell of a lot worse. 
you know, it could be a four nil, it could be a five one. Um, and that could lead to a whole new um, funk, a deeper funk, which, you know, there's not going to be that much margin for error. We could still win a title. We could still finish mid table. I mean, all, all kidding aside. So at some point, the players have to put down a marker and play like they're able, but the manager has to say enough is enough. I run this club. The buck stops with me. The system isn't working. I'm trying something different because trying the same thing is only going to yield the same results. I mean, it's two plus months of seeing it. I don't. I don't think you can say anymore that it's that it's a rut. Yes, we were first. We sat top of the table January eighteenth or whatever it was, but the warning signs were there, and that's when we went Liverpool three three, Stoke nil nil, lost to Chelsea, and so on and so forth. Um, let's wrap it up with this. If you had to pick the eleven on Saturday and. It's tough because there are some players we could desperately use that aren't going to be available. Just real quick, who would your eleven be? Um, so back five picks itself with a spinner. And do, you, do you think it does? Is there any chance that he looks at Gabriel's last two games and says, "I have to go with Chambers"? Chambers for Mertesacker. I'd be very surprised. I was going to say Chambers for Gabriel, and cha- you know, go. So with I, I meant Chambers and Mertesacker. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, I'd be I'd be surprised, but I wouldn't be. Uh, yeah, you know, he, he wouldn't unduly concern me too much. Given, yeah, you know, I, I okay. like Gabriel a lot, but you know, he hasn't played particularly well over the last few games, and maybe Arsenal looks to Callum. But he, there's a, there's an inherent risk in, in playing him too. So I, I, I don't know. I, it for me, it's a it's a bit of a fifty fifty there, and I think you know, arguably so, especially for a back five, like the the way in which the, the stability of the midfield itself is has also allowed certain issues to creep in. I just there doesn't seem like a, a phenomenal level of confidence amongst that. that that's fair. Guys. All right, so do me a favor. G- give me the rest of your lineup, and not again, not what you think he'll do, but what you would do. Um, I would start Joel Campbell again. So starting the forward three, I'd go. You have to start Alexis, of course. I, given his bad run of form, you, you you hope he clicks into gear at some yeah, point. He's right? one always one game away from being a world beater. So right, um, well back up top. I'd, I'd start Joe Campbell again on the right, um, Ozil in the middle, and then that. Um, if, if, there, there is an in theory of an El Nenny Cochran, and that, I see what you're saying. Maybe Ramsey out on the right instead of Joe. I get it, and the problem is I just don't. I don't know enough about how much have we even seen of El Nenny. I mean, there's got to be a reason that. Arson has hasn't been starting him in these types of games, and to then throw him into the starting lineup against against Tottenham at, at White Hart Lane. I mean, that just it seems a bit of a stretch to me. But there is. Yeah. I think the point is it gives you another body in midfield because then Ramsey can can come into midfield when we have the ball, and if you're going to play quick passes and try to get around their press, you need we'd need another another body in midfield. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. honestly, you know, the problem is I'm just I'm quite disillusioned after these last two games. So frankly, the to me it's not even about the players so much as the team that shows up on the day. I mean, I I, I could be fine with Ramsey, Cochrane, and effectively the same team as long as those players actually show up. I'm, I, the, yeah, the I, only I'm, reason I can't is because I I know what's going to happen. Ramsey's going to you know be twenty yards away from the the central defenders when they have the ball and he's going to get, you know, 
Coughlin's going to mark himself out of the game and they're going to have to give it to Bellerin who's going to get pressed on the wing, have no one to distribute it to, lose the ball and you know they're going to be in on us in transition. I just I've seen that movie, you know. <laughs> right. I mean, and we have, but we've also seen I mean, again, it is difficult it's difficult to envisage a, a scenario in which that doesn't really play out even whether you play to me right now, just given the way the team's playing, that that doesn't play out even with an El Nene starting in the middle with Coquelin and fair enough. I guess what I'm saying is on the right. we just, need, we we need a Santi Cazorla type player because this system hasn't worked with anybody else we've tried to put with Coquelin. Yeah, sure. I mean, but El Nene to me, El Nene came on against United over for a brief period of time. It, it didn't seem to me like that. That seemed to plug too many of our. Um, it, too many of our issues. I mean, we created absolutely nothing after going through. You know, after uh, scoring that second, I, I don't know. I just, you know, if we think about it, if we take a step back, I mean, Ramsey and Cochran haven't played that many games together. And frankly, the games that they have played together, the team has just been woeful. And whether we want to just pin it down onto them two being together in the central midfield partnership, I don't think it's quite as extreme as that. I think it certainly plays a decent role. Um, the team just needs to kick into gear. I mean, I, I I don't know what it's going to take. I don't know what system it's going to take. I don't know what tactics it's going to take. But some they need. They've had a bloody kick up their ass against United, and uh, it, it certainly didn't yield yield a particularly great result against Swansea in in the performances and the actual final result. Um, and I'm left bemused, frankly. And maybe maybe it is the North London derby. Maybe the the type of game, that atmosphere, that environment. Form goes out the window. Um, maybe, maybe that's what you need. I, 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 I literally, unfortunately, Elliot, I'm, I'm normally, you know, one that tries to, you know, I, I feel like I've generally had some form of opinion whereby I can, I can see a, a positive or a silver um, lining. So yeah, but not even to me, it hasn't even seemed like a silver lining. I get genuine like quality in this in this squad and team, but right now, you to me, you pick any eleven, I'm, I'm worried. Just I. Right, I mean, you know, the team, the team's there to prove us wrong. And look, let, let's if we take if we if we take it from a positive angle right now. I mean, we, for me at least, you know, right after Leicester and even even through these quite scrappy performances, you know, I've still been we, the mood has generally been pretty strong. I mean, we've we've been we've been in and around. We've been in a position that okay, fine, Leicester Leicester been ahead of us, but. You know, we still look. You'd still look to Man City of the you know, weeks before, as you know, they're still your the major team that you'd be worried about if they went on a run. And after Leicester, I was feeling euphoric, euphoric. Um, and two weeks later, two weeks later, we're talking about absolute, you know, um, quite. You know, this is quite tumultuous right now. But frankly, yeah, the, the question is: Was that the light at the end? Was Leicester the light at the end of the tunnel or the eye of the storm? And it. it Sort of feels like yeah, well, the sure. eye of the storm at this point. Right, right now it does. No, no, absolutely. That being said, it doesn't have. It doesn't even need to. It doesn't even need to be a stellar performance. It doesn't actually matter. But statistically speaking, we have an X percentage chance of coming out of the victory. Um, whether you whether we perceive it as five, whether we perceive it as fifty percent, whatever it is. So you're there saying is, there's a chance. <laughs> there is a bloody chance that we come out of this Tottenham game, and I think you you take that win. Wherever he comes, I don't care. I couldn't care less how we go go about getting that win. If we get that win, I think it just absolutely, you know, we can breathe again. The team, Agreed. the Agreed. team can breathe again. So all that matters right now, I, I find it difficult to assess how this eleven 
is going to be structured, how the system is going to work out. But whatever they do, they just need to go out to Wale and they need to bloody well get three points. And um, and that that is <laughs> this is now where you know, and he's been through some tough times. Also, he's been plenty, through plenty of tough times. Um, right now, and he'll of course. I mean, we know the man he is. I mean. He will he will be having sleepless nights over this game. I mean, he will be going over and over and more. And now we'll see. I mean, do we have it in us? I mean, if you, you know, even if we do go on to win a title, we'll probably be able to look back at the season and say, "Fucking hell, we were put right through it." But yeah, if I mean, you want to go, if you want to still prove to yourself that you, because it's still possible, it's still very much within within reach and somewhat within our own hands. Here you go. You've given yourself a bloody tough task of it, but all right, go take it right now. I'll leave it on this, and this is how I put it on Twitter, and this is about as optimistic as I get, as you know, James. This is an opportunity. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be a, a chore, a trial, a, something to dread. It should be viewed as an opportunity. The best players in the world go into the biggest matches excited to play it, seeing it as an opportunity to show what they can do, and. As low as the club is right now, you could argue that the only thing that could drag us out of these doldrums would be a win away in the North London Derby. So rather than just having another game up next away at Villa, something where we win it and it's ho-hum, we lose it and it's crisis, this is a place where we can put down a marker and turn the season around again, and it still be there for us. So at a minimum... While the risk is great and the fears are many, the opportunity is equally great and the reward for victory couldn't be bigger. So hopefully the players will see that as as exciting and as an opportunity and not shrink from the moment. Um, Unfortunately, they've shrunk from a lot of moments lately uh, so that they could mostly fit in our pockets right now. But hopefully they will they will rise to the occasion. James, I appreciate you staying up late to record this. I wish it was on better circumstances, but hopefully next time it will be. Cheers. We're gonna win. We're gonna fucking win this one, right? All right, I, I could go with that. Uh, you can find James on Twitter, GunnerFanatic49. I hope you will follow him. Uh, you should be blocking me on Twitter already. If you haven't, it's uh, Yankee Gunner. My name is Elliot Smith. Please give our podcast five stars and then write all the nasty stuff in the review. Uh, up the Arsenal. Come on, North London Derby. Big chance. Big opportunity. Come on, Arsenal. For fuck's sake, don't be cunts. Win the game. We'll talk to you after. Cheers. Acast powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. In the latest episode of History This Week, we take a closer look at a failed insurrection at the U.S. Capitol building in 1861, when the nation was on the cusp of a civil war. Nearly 160 years later, what can we learn from this moment when democracy was challenged? And check out all our episodes this month as History This Week celebrates Black History Month. Last week, we covered the Greensboro sit-ins that sparked a media firestorm and inspired mass sit-ins across the country. Next week, we travel to Australia and witness Sydney students taking a freedom ride of their own for Aboriginal civil rights. After that, we'll be exploring the origins of jazz. For these stories and more, subscribe to History This Week wherever you listen to podcasts. A cash recommends.